Hey, this is Jess Fishlock, and you're listening to Coffee and Valkyries. Hi, Susie. How are you doing today? Hey, I'm doing well. We have World Cup soccer. Yep. Has it been fun for you? <laughs> it's been really fun. I um, forgot, you know, what it's like to wake up so early to watch matches, but uh-huh. the group stage is always the most exciting because there's just so many different upsets and fun, fun matches. So it's been fun to wake up early this weekend to watch some good games. Yeah, and being that you and I are on the West Coast, obviously those wake up early times are really on the early side. Um, did you wake up at a three o'clock in the morning to watch Australia and Italy? I did not make it up for that one. I decided to sleep in to 6 a.m. today. Mm. How about you? I did uh, not. I slept <laughs> in uh, pretty much all the way through. Woke up just in time to catch England versus Scotland. Which was really the the premier highlight of the day. So you caught mm-hmm. a good one. Yeah. Well, if you're rooting for Italy, you enjoyed that one. Oh my gosh. Yeah. And um, I, I, I want to go back and watch that match because I think a lot of us who have sort of been following Australia for the last year knew that they were quite vulnerable defensively and, mm-hmm. but also thought, well, on a team that has Sam Kerr, maybe that's not a problem, but Italy showed that indeed that could be a problem. Yeah. Our, as our friends at uh, All for Eleven put it best, Australia is going to be the most fun team to watch because their defense is bad. Yeah, it can make for good matches. And I know they have uh, Brazil in their group who also mm-hmm. likes to score a lot of goals and also potentially let them in. So that could be a high-scoring affair. Yeah, remember uh, when we filled out our pickums for... Uh, <laughs> I don't want to remember. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we all thought, uh, ooh, Brazil does not have Marta. And I think I put down Jamaica might have, uh, actually win, but, you know, lo and behold, we have Christian going for a hat trick and becoming the oldest player to record a hat trick, breaking Carly Lloyd's uh, previous uh, grip on that record. Yeah, you know, Brazil just had, what were they on, like a nine-game losing streak or something mm-hmm. pretty pretty ridiculous. And they have so many talented players, but they just, they don't have much investment at all with their federation. So I think I just let the, all that hype and the Bunny Shaw talk with Jamaica, who is a talented player, but barely got the ball at all yeah. against Brazil. Um, I let that all get to me. I think I predicted a draw. So I was a little closer. <laughs> Not <Yeah>. much. <laughs> um, so yeah, it was just funny because I think a lot of us were all thinking, oh, no Marta, Jamaica actually might have a chance to get a draw or, you know, knock on wood, get really lucky and get the win. But um, I think we all got a little bit distracted and forgot, oh, yeah, this is a team still full of veterans. And the aforementioned Christian, but then you also have Formiga playing in her seventh World Cup. Tackling kids, like, I mean, tackling players as if she's, like, still in her 20s. It was yeah. pretty impressive. And, yeah, no other player, man or woman, has played as many World Cups as she has, and it's just mind-boggling. Not only that, she's starting the first match. Like, yeah. you think, oh, maybe they brought her around to be a veteran. Nope, nope, she's fully playing. Like, I haven't looked it up, but I would not be surprised if it is a case like, 
that there were that there might be some players in this tournament that weren't even born when she made her first uh, World Cup appearance. It's true. I bet you there is. Yeah, it has to be. Yeah, because Jamaica subbed on like a seventeen-year-old. Mm-hmm. So, well, yeah, that, yeah. If she did it, if this is her seventh, she has to at least done twenty-eight. Oh my gosh, twenty-eight years. Yeah. Wow. There surely are some players. A that lot. Yeah. yeah, a lot. <laughs> wow, that's wild. It is wild. But yeah, so um, yeah, the game's biggest tournament is finally upon us. It's been a lot of fun. Obviously, the host nation France kicked things off on Friday, and we saw what France, uh, you know, what they know, what we know they can do. Um, just basically steamroll over South Korea, highlighted, of course, by Big Wendy, Wendy Renard, getting uh, two goals. They she makes it look so easy on set pieces and corner kicks. Yeah. 80, 80 something caps for France, and she already has 21 goals. And she's a center back. Yeah, absurd. So, I mean, she's clearly the golden boot, uh, a golden boot candidate because now we yeah. have Christian with the hat trick. I could, I don't doubt Big Wendy. Yeah. Yeah. And then, uh, Lace O'Mare just, you know, doing what she does. Like, I, I've said it before, before this tournament, she's just going to claim a lot of bodies. Yeah, didn't you call her the Undertaker? Yes, I did. Uh, yeah, I just think she's so fun to watch. She makes such smart runs. And when she's firing on all cylinders, it's like France is just super lethal. Yeah. And yeah, that squad is just loaded because we haven't even gotten to talking about Amadine Henri. Henri, Cascarino is so good on the flanks. Marjorie, mm-hmm. I just like all these players that got to play with Jess Fishlock, by the way, yeah. at Leon, which is pretty awesome for her. Um, mm-hmm. But yeah, you can go through the list of their bench players and they could field like a starting 11 on any other country team, probably. Mm-hmm. Um, looking ahead into this week's tournament, obviously, one of the headliners is going to be finally the United States starts their World Cup campaign on Tuesday, playing against Thailand. Now, we all pretty much anticipate U.S. to win that. Um, do you think, though, there's a possibility of them playing down to their opponent? I think we've seen that in the last year when they've played kind of re- similar competition maybe to Thailand. When you when a team puts 11 bodies behind the ball, mm-hmm. the U.S. has had a lot, kind of a difficult time breaking through. Uh, that bunker defense so I could I could see that happening I actually think this is a game though where the U.S. is going to be like is going to comfortably score goals which won't tell us anything it won't tell us if they're hitting their stride or it won't tell us if they're playing down because it's just not the toughest game to start with yeah I think if the U.S. wins to a to a scoreline of something like four or five zero, you might have some people thinking, "Oh, they're sending a you know a mission statement that to France, you know, with this game." It's like, well, it's not really a clear uh, message because it's yeah, it's it's against Thailand. Let's be honest here, um, but yeah, I I hope they don't play down to their opponent and that they should come out and more or less um, win that game comfortably. Yeah, I'd like to see them score a lot of goals in open play and not on set pieces and that kind of thing to make me feel a little more comfortable. 
Mm-hmm. Um, moving along from the World Cup, even though the NWSL took a week off for the World Cup, it resumes play this weekend, and uh, Rain FC are hosting Washington Spirit. Yeah, this should be a really fun match. In their annual Pride match. Are the Spirits still at the top of the table? Yes, let me check. I know, I was just, I know they, they have been, yeah, they still are. Yeah. Um, they're they're looking super impressive this year. And while in years past, you as a Reigns fan were kind of like, oh, great, we get the spirit this weekend. Mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, it's going to be, uh, they have a lot of really quality players that didn't go to the World Cup who have been wreaking havoc on defenses. So this is not the spirit people remember from years past. This is the spirit that likes to possess the ball, likes to make teams chase that has a really solid midfield. Um, so it'll be a good matchup for the rain. Yeah. And isn't it like three or four of their starting players are, are all rookies that were drafted in back in January's uh, college draft. Yeah. They've had Tegan McGrady's been getting time at outside back mm-hmm. and Sam Staub and mm-hmm. Jordan DiBiase. Yep. Um, I feel like I'm forgetting one or two, but those are the three that definitely came to mind. Yeah. Um, first for me. Yeah, and they're all playing and developing in and figuring out this league all together at the same time. So um, obviously there's that advantage of like they're all playing together at the same time, figuring it out together and building that chemistry that, you know, you you want from rookies. And uh, yeah, and they're, you know, you have Aubrey Bledsoe still playing on incredible form this season because, you know, the last time Rain FC uh, faced Washington. It was at Washington, and you know that was a game that Aubrey Bledsoe was just standing on her head, and she won rightfully so Player of the Week honors for that weekend. Yeah, I know she was pretty ridiculous. Yeah, it was frustrating, obviously, because you know Rain were getting their shots in, but you know at the end of the day, you just got to tip your hat uh, to Aubrey Bledsoe. Yeah, that was a game where I think like a lot of Rain fans felt really disappointed to walk away with the zero-zero draw. And then you saw Washington continue to take teams apart after that game, and you were kind of like, well, maybe a 0-0 draw on the road wasn't so bad. Yeah. Anything else you are looking forward to in Saturday's match? I, I'm looking forward to, yeah, the team really starting to integrate a lot more now that Jess Fishlock's back. Mm-hmm. Um, that, that, you know, she came back and jumped immediately into playing with a team that's basically new to her. Yeah. She, she obviously knows some players at the front line was all new to her and she had just like a week and a half or a week prior played in the Champions League final. So maybe two weeks, but it was, it was a short turnaround. So I think this week off has probably been really good for her. Um, and hopefully she's just ready to step in and dominate. It's pretty awesome to be a team that gets a key player back during the summer break where most teams losing are losing a lot of players. Mm-hmm. Yeah, um, it's it's one thing for us to observe and see how Fishlock is slowly but surely uh, getting herself reacclimated into the team. Like he's after coming off a treble winning campaign with Leon in the off season, and yeah, the her first uh, her season debut against North Carolina, you saw how much the attack improved under her. Obviously, the 
chemistry wasn't there. She even said it herself in the post-match. Then uh, Houston, he saw little bits of improvement on that. Um, God, I'm still thinking about that free kick that she had against uh, Houston. Oh, come on, Jane Campbell. <laughs> you just had to ruin it for us because that was, that was setting up to be a, a goal of the week nominee, if not outright win. save. Yeah, but she just had to go and one-up her and do a save of the week. Yeah. Yeah. Does the does the draw against Houston still sting for you? Because they were literally a handful of minutes away from a victory. Uh, yeah. I mean, it does. Obviously, you just move on as a team. But that is, it seems like, you know, that right after giving up a goal late against North Carolina, you know, just kind of you hope that this doesn't become some sort of pattern for the rain I don't think it will but you never want to give up late goals that's when you really want to be able to see matches out so uh, I think against Houston it was perhaps I wasn't like super frustrated by it because a lot of that had to do with the fact that they had to make two early subs before the the first half even ended and so you just lose a lot of your rhythm and players kind of wear out a lot faster Mm -hmm. Um, so it's kind of excusable, but I would hate for that to continue to happen. Yeah. Um, yeah, it was, yeah, it obviously was frustrating for them to give up that late goal. I mean, to be fair, all fair to Christine there, it was a great shot from her. Yeah, for And it sure. wasn't for lack of Rain's defense just, like, falling apart or just, like, getting lost in a moment. Because when you go back and watch uh, that, that goal, when Naren shoots that ball, three rain players are just going all out to try and get a foot on it any part of their body outside of their hands and arms to basically deflect or at least influence that ball so it doesn't find the back of the net yeah it's like if any one of those three players get a touch on it maybe casey murphy pick uh corrals that ball and just find it and you know we're talking about three straight wins at cheney stadium yeah yeah, one of those unfortunate, like, yeah, like I said, you just move on. Mm-hmm. Um, so we were talking about how Fishlock is just slowly getting herself back reacclimated into the team and everything. Um, it's one thing for us to talk about it. It's another thing for you, the listeners, to hear about it. So after the break, you're going to hear from Jess Fishlock herself. And we talked about her getting reacclimated to this year's NFC squad, her time in Lyon, um, what that whole experience meant for her and you know do another fun Q&A with one of your favorite Rain FC players so we'll be back after the break so we are here talking with Rain FC midfielder Jess Fishlock Jess how are you doing today I'm great thanks how are you I'm doing pretty good Susie how are you doing today doing well super excited that the the World Cup has finally kicked off and we've had some fun games to watch indeed we have the game's biggest tournament has, is underway and, um, you know, let's just go ahead and get started with the interview regarding the World Cup, because Susie, you have some questions for Jess. Jess, I'm curious. I know you just said you got done with training. Um, have you been able to watch watch some matches so far? Yeah, of course. I'm trying to watch um, as many as I can. Watch the French game. Um, watch, oh, what other game was it? Not the Germany game, I was fast asleep when that one was on. <laughs> Watch the Norway game. 
Um, watched a bit of the England game and Scotland game this morning. Um, so, yeah, I am just – I can't tell you how excited I am for this tournament, and I will I will be watching as many games as I possibly can. I'm going home right now to re-watch the Aussie game and re-watch the England-Scotland uh, game so I can just really try and try and see what's going on. Uh, we were going to ask if you were, if you woke up at 3 a.m. today to watch the Australia Italy game, but sounds like um, you uh, you prefer sleep over waking up really <laughs> early in the dead of night. Yeah, look, I think with what we've got going on here, it's still getting up for those games. I think um, is impossible, and I'm not going to do that. I'll just rewatch it. Um, but the nine o'clock games and the twelve o'clock games um, are definitely ones that. I can I can watch live um, or try to anyway, and then ask Vlako if he can adjust his um, <laughs> training time sometimes. Uh, but we'll see. Look, we still got a job to do here, and obviously that is is a priority. Um, but look, I want to watch this World Cup. Um, it's going to be I think it's going to be the best one yet. So. And speaking of that job of uh, you finally uh, joining up with Rain FC. How's it been for you uh, now that you have a couple matches under your belt and just getting reacclimated with the squad? Yeah, look, I actually think that this week, uh, last week, the few days that we just had off, and now from today moving into the next couple weeks, um, are actually really good for me. I think the two games that I have just played, North Carolina, Houston, they were always going to be a struggle for me personally, not just because this group is new, but because of coming off the back of Leon and I went away for like four days, took four days off and then went from Budapest to Leon, Leon to Dubai, Dubai to London, London to Seattle in the space of like eight, nine days. So, and then I played two days later and then we play, had two games in a week. So, you know, everything was just a whirlwind for me, you know, and it was more about, you know, my body's still not, it wasn't right at that point. I wasn't at my fresh or at my sharpest. So, you know, I knew that those two games were going to be tough games for me. Um, and obviously tough games for the girls too, because they haven't got me at my best. Um, and so, you know, I was just really happy to get those ends of my belt. But knowing that the most important thing for me is to make sure that in these two weeks that we've got, that I can sort my body out and, and get right. And, you know, We've done that well. I feel great right now. So I'm just so excited to um, start building with this team. And we've got Spirit at home, which is going to be a massive game. And then after that, we're on the road for like four weeks. So mm -hmm. this this period for us right now is super important. Um, and I think it's going to be super important for, for our, our standing in the league. And you, um, so you just got back from Lyon, as you mentioned, not every, not every player out there gets to play for a team like Lyon or gets to play in a Champions League final. I mean, it's kind of a cliche question to ask you, but what was the experience like to play in your, in this, in the Champions League final and to take home the trophy? No, look, I, I can't really put into words how to explain the feeling of playing in the Champions League. Um, I've done it on a numerous, numerous amounts of times. Um, but doing it 
kind of doing it right now or doing it, yeah, like a couple of weeks ago in the final, leading into what was the World Cup, playing in Lyon, which is in France, which is all the hype is for the World Cup. Obviously, they're hosting it. Doing it with this team and these players in that team, it's just, uh, it's just unbelievable. You know, the feeling was, was, was it was just, I, I can't really put it into words, but the feeling was amazing. You know, my whole family was there. Um, we, we did the treble as well, which is not an easy thing to do to win the league, win the cup and then win champions league. I mean, from February to May, we just had big game after big game after big game after big game, you know, it's such a mental, mental test for us. So to go through all that and then to get to the final, to experience Sam Budapest um, was honestly just amazing. It was amazing. And um, for folks who maybe don't know, I mean, Lyon is a massive club that um, kind of has up the game for what it's like to invest in, in women's soccer. And obviously the rain have done um, amazing things here in, in the States to, to support players and really treat them like professionals. But like, can you walk us through uh, as a as a player and a professional like what it what that experience is like, and and behind the scenes maybe what Leon is doing for for women's soccer? Yeah, look, I think ultimately what what Leon and what the president of Leon is trying to do and has been doing actually not trying to do is is doing and what has been doing for years now is treating the players like professional athletes um, and not just from a financial perspective obviously he is doing that very well um, but the training environment the pitches that we're training on the pitches that we're playing on um, how we get from a traveling perspective you know either judge to our games if that's not possible or just doesn't make sense, then we have a coach, but the coach has its own kitchen. And, um, you know, we would stay overnight for games that, you know, were just a couple hours away. There's just a lot of, a lot that goes into treating players as professional athletes, um, which they should be rather than just, paying them a salary and being like, well, I'm paying you a salary, so you're going to train on this pitch that is unacceptable or you're not going to have a changing room or you're not going to eat the right food or you're not going to do this or you're not going to do that. What Leon do actually is is they just treat the players as professionals. There's expectations, there's standards. Um, and look, they're not perfect in everything. There's still things that they can get better at. Of course there is. Um I think that, that everyone can get better at something. And, and although Leon do a lot of good things, you know, there's still things that they can improve on and they know that. But ultimately, I think that's what kind of makes them successful. And I think there's only a handful of teams in the world, in the women's game, that can turn around and say that they actually do that. So that's why I think Leon are different. Um, and they have always set that bar high is because even if the, the, the investment that they have in the women's game um, is on all levels, it's not just, oh, we pay them a high salary. Okay, yes, you, he pays his girls a high salary. 
he pays his girls what they deserve. I think that's mm -hmm. the difference here. He doesn't pay them the same amount as what the men do, obviously, because it just it, that can't happen. We don't bring in that enough money, that enough money to do that. But what he does do is pay the girls a significant amount of money that they deserve for what they are doing right now, which is ultimately being the best team in the world. And not only is he doing that, he's also treating them like they should be treated. You know, the facilities, the training ground, the, the kids, like the travel, um, the food that we have. You know, we have our own chef. For lunch that you just pick what you want and he cooks it for you like i mean there's just elements of what they do that it isn't just about okay they pay their girls well i mean mm -hmm. there are other there are other teams in this world that pay their girls well leon are not the only team that pay their girls good money you know but they do a lot of other things really well too off the field um but like I said, they, they're not they're not perfect and there's still elements of what they do that they need to get better at. Um, but the president has always invested in women's football when women's football was, you know, it, it wasn't where it's at now. And he was the forward thinker in that, you know, and he has helped other teams be like, oh, we need to be more like Leon. We need to invest more money, whether it be in facilities, whether it be in salaries, whether it be in treatment, whether it be medical, like that's what he's done and he's continues to do it. And he knows that if he's going to stay at the top, he has to do more and more and more and more. And that's the beauty of it is that he's pushing everybody else and everybody else ultimately keeps pushing him. So it's like a circle. Based on your experience at Leon, what's something that you would like to see uh, the NWSL do, uh, you know, in terms of creating a better environment for all of its athletes? Um, look, I just think I can't speak for other, other teams or what play, people do and they don't do. But ultimately, my message is always the same, is that the clubs have got to respect its players, all of their players, not just the ones that are on the national team, not just the ones that play for the national team. Every single player that play for its club the club has to respect them. They have to look at them and treat them as, as people, as athletes, and as professional athletes. And they have to look at what they're giving them to be able to achieve what they want to achieve. Are the facilities the right facilities? Are the, is the medical the right medical? You know, is the, is the food gonna help the players perform at their highest level? What about the training? Is the conditioning right? Like, ultimately, that is what the clubs have to do. And obviously, there's been times when that hasn't happened. There's times when that does happen. But without going into, like, specifics about clubs or about franchises or about whatever, ultimately, that is the most important thing for women, for the women's game to keep progressing in the right way. It is not just about players lining their pockets with salaries it is about the facilities it is about the medical care it is about respecting these athletes for what they are and that goes way more than just money in pockets mm -hmm. it's bigger than that and that is what this we need to do 
on all levels, including the NWSL, including England, including France, including Germany. That is ultimately the goal that we should all want, is that we get treated in the respectful way of being professional athletes in every single aspect of our lives. Mm -hmm. And speaking of uh, facilities, I know it's, uh, you got a couple of games under your belt now, but it's probably still something new to you. How are you liking Cheney Stadium as Rainer sees new home? No, yeah, I love the Cheney Stadium. I love, I love what they do, um, the, the, the pitch. Actually, you know, I was really quite skeptical, if I'm being honest, about what it was going to look like. Mm-hmm. Um, obviously, we had, we had that drama of the Western New York Flash, and I mm-hmm. was like, oh, my God, there's no way we can do this you know I don't I don't feel comfortable in, in, in being that team that that, that pro- provides uh, a baseball basically you know a baseball field mm-hmm. um, you know so I was skeptical I'm not gonna lie to you there's, there's no point in me lying <laughs> um, but no when I came and we played and we've trained there um, I actually really like the pitch I think the pitch is great um, I don't think apart from obviously you can see like the elements of the grass in the grass, the grass in that they use. Mm-hmm. Apart from that, like I think it's great. I don't think you can tell at all that that's that's where you are. I don't notice when I'm playing on it that that's the situation. So as far as I'm concerned, I think it's great. I think the environment is great. Um, I'm super super um, super stoked to try and, and grow it now. We grow it down here, and ultimately that's what we have to do. You might um, laugh alongside with us, but um, you mentioned the Western New York baseball field. And after your match against uh, North Carolina, Paul, Paul Riley in his post-game remarks asked um, the press in Tacoma if, if we remembered that match on a baseball field. And we were like, of, of course we remember that match. Thank you for bringing it up. Yeah, well, I can assure Paul Riley that that pitch is nothing like that disaster we had to play on in Western New York Flash or whatever the hell it was. So Paul Riley, don't even dare try and compare those two. This is a non-comparison. Yeah, he actually had lots of praise for the pitch as well at Cheney, so um, yeah, didn't didn't need to bring up that memory. No. Um. So. A lot of people know that you were you spent the end of your offseason playing in Lyon, and everybody knows you, you guys went on to some tremendous success winning the treble. But I think you are one of the few people that can argue that while you had a lot of success on the field with Lyon, quite possibly the two biggest successes in your life were off the field because one, you announced that uh, you're going to be writing uh, your life story in an autobiography, and then you got honored with an MB- MBE honors. Um, first off, we just want to say, Susan, I uh, thank you for not demanding that we uh, bend at uh, the knee um, in your first press conference with us after the North Carolina game. But <laughs> but uh, would you consider the MBE honor your highest honor? A hundred percent. Look, the, the, the beautiful thing about the MBE honor um, is that it's a personal award. You know, it's not... Mm-hmm just about my profession it's about me as a person and what I've been able to to do and to create change um, and it's about my nation um, and the United Kingdom kind of recognizing that as a, 
for me as a person. Um, and you know, I think that that's huge. I think it's a huge type of type of honor. It's a very different honor from a from a professional professional honor or professional award. Um, and yeah, it was just amazing. You know, I had a great day. Um, the palace was unbelievable. I got to go at Christmas time. My family were there. Um, it truly was. Um, it was one of the best days of my of my life. Not just because I got to go and get the award, but the whole day was just amazing. You know, I had my very best friends there. Um, the host family that I live with here came over for it too, obviously, because they've been a massive mm. part of my life. Um, my brothers and sisters were there. All of them were there. Their partners, my nephew. My, my friends, my people who, who, have effect, who have had a great effect on my, my career and for me as a person, um, old coaches, like it just was just so nice to, to be able to celebrate that with these people that ultimately it's their award too, you know, they've had such a, such a positive effect on my life that without them I couldn't be who I am and so the whole celebration was just the best day of my life, there's no doubt about that. Um, but it's like, like I said, it's probably the best honor because it's not just about me. It's about my family too. And that, that's why it means so much to me. Well, we can't congratulate you enough on receiving that honor, Jess. Well-deserved. Thank you. Um, and Jacob mentioned the autobiography. Is that something you've been thinking about for a while? How did that come about? Yeah, look, I think, um, like you say, my story is a little bit unique. Um, it's a little bit different, um, and there's a lot, there's a lot to it, and there's a lot. Look, there's a lot that people don't know, um, and I think you know. I sat down with my mum actually when I had um, the publisher ring me, and we met for a coffee or whatever. And you know, I spoke to my mum, and I was like, "Look, if I do this, then it needs to be a completely open and honest." book about everything that's gone on in my life you know things that I don't talk about things that um, I always try and put to bed or try to not speak about you know the real real tough times in my life um, because ultimately at this point um, I've never felt the need to talk about them but if I'm going to write this book I said to my mum that it needs to be the truth the absolute truth and, and I'm only going to ever write it once and then that's it I'm never going to talk about it ever again um and she said you know that like now's the time now's the time to to be truthful and to be honest and and you know you never know what comes from that so this book is it is going to be you know a big deal for me it is going to be special um the people who will read it um will find out so much more about my life than they think they know because there's so much about my life that I have never talked about um but I feel like it's time now and so yeah I mean the book it probably won't get released until for another year or so because um, I got a lot of, I've got a lot to write about and I have to make sure if we're going to go for the Euros with Wales that I don't want to release it whilst I'm still playing so um you know I have to be really careful with that but what I will say is that the book is going to be worth waiting for because there's going to be things in there that um, I have never talked about. They're going to be things that 
are quite quite important and and and, um, and yeah, will probably create a little bit of of change or a little bit of conversation. Well, we are very looking forward to that uh, book coming out, Jess. Well, and you know Jacob and I, so we don't like to ask just all serious questions. So I'm going to pivot <laughs> yeah. to one that's a little bit sillier, but relates to, to the book and what you were just talking about. Um, let's say the book is just um, a total hit and everyone wants to turn it into a movie. <laughs> if, if that movie was made, who would you want to play you? Oh, great question. Who would I want to play Wow. Oh, you know what? I want Sophie Turner to play me, 100%. Nice. Mm, nice. That would be great. Yeah. Sansa, she's me. Well, she, she could do me. She's sassy. She gets it. She's a survivor. Yeah. Boom. That's a great one. Great one. Yeah. And I, I love her. Her personality is unreal. She's great. Yeah, either, either Sophie Turner or uh, Jennifer Lawrence, one of those two. Both great ones. All right. Um, this might be a fun question for you, Jess. It's match day, and you are in charge of making the match day playlist to get everyone else hyped. What are three songs that are on your playlist? Oosh. Okay. Great question. Wow. We're always full of great questions, uh, this. Promises. I think it's called Promises. His one with Normandy. What's it called? It's called Promises. Yeah. I don't know song names. Or like long. In Love with a Stranger, something like that. I don't know. I think it's that one. Because uh, everyone loves Sam Smith. Let's be honest. Mm-hmm. Um, I would need to put uh, a what an old school song in there, but I can't remember what it's called. It's a T-Pain song, but I can't remember what it's called. Buy You a Drink, that's the one, Buy You a Drink. Yeah, there's that mm-hmm. one. Um, and then I would I kind of go with like a sing-along, because everybody loves to sing-along. Mm-hmm. Um, maybe American Dream. I heard Maybe American Dream. Oh, yeah. Yeah, American Dream. Okay. Yeah. Those would be my three songs, I think. You just put me on the spot, but yeah. Okay. Well, we we asked Bethany Balser the same question, and she uh, uh, she felt she was put on the spot too. But she also said that I think she would uh, probably play some High School Musical just to see if she would get anybody on the team to uh, jam out to that and just basically confess that they are a High School Musical fan. Yeah. Well. It's really weird because the other day we had someone put some like Metallica or I don't bloody know. (laughs) It was awful. And I was just like, no, like you cannot have heavy metal on in the changing room. It's unacceptable. (laughs) Can you go on the record as to who that was? No, I don't know. I actually (laughs) literally asked. I was like, whose song is this? It's terrible. (laughs) And no one, no one accepted responsibility. Uh, we should uh, open up an investigation on that one (laughs) we'll get to the bottom of it yeah please do okay so here's another question it's like a great debate in our modern times 
where do you stand on pineapple on pizza? No, no, no chicken, no pineapple. Okay. I don't get it. I don't get chicken on a pizza. I don't get it. Pineapple, look, it's not like terrible because I quite like like hot pineapple. I always have it in my Nando's, but no, I just, no. <laughs> no. I think Vladko answered and um, I imagine it's probably maybe a little bit more of a US thing. He's like, in my country, pineapple does not belong on pizza. No, it is not a pizza thing, no. Um, okay, we're in, we're in the World Cup. Everyone's super yep. pumped. You haven't got to catch yep. every game, but do you have any early favorites on who you think could win it all? Look, I don't right now. I think it's a little early. I think France, for me, have looked the most complete side out mm -hmm. of all of the sides that I've seen. Um, you know, but equally, and I think for them to be able to do that on an opening fixture with a lot of pressure, uh, you know, probably calmed all their nerves a little bit, so they're probably feeling a little bit good for themselves. But, you know, I don't think there's been enough. I wasn't overly impressed with Germany, um, but they're Germany, you know, so they're going to grind out results anyway. It's just what they do. So there's that. But, I mean, look, I, I don't know what's going to happen in this World Cup. I don't. Uh, I still think USA are my favorite. I've said it since day one. If they... They get their team selection right and they do their job, then yeah, for sure. But I mean, if they have to be at their absolute best to win this thing this time round, and so we're going to see if that happens. Mm -hmm. But there's a lot of good teams out there right now that can cause them massive problems. So it's going to be interesting. You know, I, I know there's probably a lot of people who are really surprised with Australia, but I wasn't surprised with that result at all. I've seen. Italy play the last I've seen them play quite recently we play them in, in January and I said then that they're going to cause teams problems in this World Cup they will um, whether they can go you know semi-finals or whatever I don't know but they are definitely a side that are going to cause teams problems yeah I think they let in like only four goals in all of qualifying or something or yeah, yeah. they've had a massive investment in their league and you're seeing the good side of that you know I think as women's football evolves we will begin to understand that federations will have to pay attention to their league and when they do that their national teams will get even better if you ignore how important your league is to your national team then I think those, those federations will fall away. The federations that are investing in their league and having competitive leagues, those are the federations that will, the national teams will do well. Right. You see it with Italy, you see it with Spain right now, England's doing it right now. Mm -hmm. it's, it's, it's the future, is the leagues. The future is the leagues. It's the exciting thing you talked about with this World Cup too, is that there are there are multiple teams that have a solid shot of winning it, and we haven't really yeah. seen that in in as in at this level in previous years. So it's super exciting. Yeah. Who do you it have? It is really, really, really exciting. Who do you have in uh, tomorrow's matches between Argentina and Japan and uh, Canada and against Cameroon? I have a Japan and Canada win. Cool. 
I think that uh, Canada is just real, um, uh, so stable right now, so secure, the defendants so well. And obviously they have Sinclair and they can, they can get goals. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I think Japan will just end up um, tiring Argentina out. You know, I think Argentina might cause them a little bit of problem on the character, but I think Japan will just have too much experience. Since you've played uh, your off, the NWSL offseason in Lyon, do you have any travel tips for people who might be going to Lyon for the semis and the title game? As in, like, where to, where to go? Or? Yeah, just, or just general you know travel what? tips. Um, look, Lyon is actually beautiful. Um, a friend of mine is actually putting out a blog from um, my time there. So I've, I've actually put a blog. I'm, there's a blog together that I know... Um, that I'm going to put out soon, or I'm going to, it's my friend's blog, so she's going to put it out, and then I'm going to retweet it, mm-hmm. about places to go, um, where to eat, where to drink, um, et cetera, et cetera, for all those going to Leon for those those semifinals and finals. Um, travel tips? I don't really have any, to be honest, but they should definitely go to the big park in the city. There's a free zoo in there, and it's unbelievable. Like, oh, the nice. zoo is unbelievable. And it's free. Like, it's weird, but it's free. He's <laughs> going there, and it's just this free zoo right in the middle of this massive park. Um, so they should definitely go there because it's only, like, a 10-minute walk from the city. It's beautiful. Nice. Yeah. Um, last question before we uh, get you out of here, Jess. What does the team need to do to get the three points against Washington Spirit on Saturday? Washington are a very good side and they like to keep the ball and they like to recycle it and um, you know they're not a team that wants to go back to front as fast as possible every time they get it um, which is really actually it's really nice to see and they do it really well so I think we have to be prepared for that to be compact and really pick our moments when to kind of press them when to hunt them Um, and of course when we get the ball we need to we need to be really effective with it you know whether that means it's going to be a transition moment or whether it's down to us deciding are we going to are we going to go straight to goal or are we going to try and keep it for a little bit I think the one thing that we need to evolve and that you know Blacko is trying to get through to us is that we need to be better in our decision making of is it a transition moment or is it time to possess the ball a little bit because it's not on and we don't need to force it you know so I think against Washington if we can just be a little bit better at that, um, then we've got a good chance. Nice. Great. Well, Jess, thank you very much for always taking the time to chat with me and Susie. Of course, no problem. Yeah, thank you. Nice no, to have no you problem. back. And yeah, it's so good to be back. Looking forward to the rest of the season and good luck on Saturday. Thank you so much. I'm sure I'll see you Saturday. All right. Yeah. Okay, bye-bye. Bye. So we are back. Hope you enjoyed that interview with Jess Fishlock. Susie, what did you take away from uh, our latest uh, chat with Jess? Well, I think she's always so fun to talk to. Mm-hmm. I think it's just a nice reminder and hopefully Rain fans, Rain fans appreciate just how much she loves representing the city and being back here despite the amazing experience 
she had in Lyon. She was just so happy to be what she says home mm-hmm. in Tacoma and Seattle. So um super excited to see what she brings to the team for the rest of the season. Yeah. Um all the things she was talking about are like how much fun she had at Lyon on the field and off the field. Uh, you know, obviously um we know about it already and it's just like one of those things you can't maybe hard for a lot of people to describe and just um yeah it's clear how much fun she had but then she still comes back here because she loves it here just as much as she enjoyed her time in Lyon and we know that like if there was at any point she didn't like coming back here and playing for Rain FC she would have left already yeah how cool was it to hear her say that her host family went to her MBE ceremony? Yeah, that was really nice. Um, yeah. I I didn't expect that because, I mean, based on, you know, all the pictures that we saw on social media, um, you know, it was obviously her immediate family. But no, that was really nice that her host family uh, was able to fly out there and be part of that ceremony and just share that special day with her. Yeah. Yeah. It's a huge milestone. Mm-hmm. And then... Um, on a more entertaining side, just how how emphatic she was about <laughs> on pizza, and then how unprompt because we didn't even bring it, bring it up. She just brought it up on herself. Like she also doesn't like chicken on pizza. I know we should have maybe followed up and asked her what she puts on her pizza. That can be the next next time we see her. Yeah, I, she's amazing. She's probably a traditionalist. It's like you know, red sauce pepperoni or you know not even pepperoni just like um, maybe like a margarita or something like a margarita pizza but yeah I mean for all the times that we've talked with Jess and we we have fun talking with her because we know she has plenty to say a lot of entertaining things to say it was just so funny how stern how emphatic how direct she was like no It's, I love asking that question because you just never know what, yeah. what, what side someone's on. Yeah. I mean, you think of the times you ask it amongst your friends or family members and even with them, it's going to be split or they're going to be passionate about it one way or another. But now that we're throwing the Rain FC players in, under the same gauntlet, <laughs> I, think about, I think about how when we asked Bethany Walter that, she's like, I'm pro pineapple. I love it. So then I'm just thinking, I hope for her sake she doesn't pull off a rookie mistake and order a pineapple pizza around Jess because she might throw it out the window or something. Hopefully she doesn't. Bethany, if you're listening, don't buy pineapple pizza for Jessica. Yeah. And then also, based on the music question, we now have to figure we we now have two things to figure out. One, who listens to high school musical? Two, who is the one that played um metallica or heavy metal in the dressing room recently don't say we don't do the hard-hitting journalism here because we're on it yeah we are trying to find answers for you people (laughs) so um being that the nwsl resumes uh, league play this weekend yeah take a look at the other matches and make some predictions okay sounds good so first up on january 15th you have north carolina hosting portland Oh, this is a fun one. These two teams hate each other. Um, I think 
Portland maybe overperformed against Chicago a little bit, riding on the excitement of being back in their stadium. Um, so I'm going to go with a draw. Okay. Um, it might. I know some people might think of me saying this to be scandalous, but I'm going with Portland win because I think uh, you said it. Uh, yourself before we started recording this could be the summer of Midge Purse yeah and I like Midge Purse even though she plays for the enemy I love Midge Purse and I mean honestly Portland those Midge Purse Simone Charlie they both had awesome weeks last week Mm -hmm. um so it was uh fun to watch Portland get to welcome their their team back in the stadium and I severely underestimated how pumped they would be for that game. So I'll probably predict a draw and Portland will silence me once again. (laughs) Next up on Saturday, you have Houston Dash hosting Orlando Pride. I just can't in good conscience say that Orlando's going to (laughs) win. I I mean, maybe this is the game where they surprise us, but I feel like Houston's at home. They still have Sofia Huerta. They have Christy Mewis. They have Kalia Ojai. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm going to go with the Houston win. Yeah, I'm going with Houston. Um, though, if Houston is awarded a penalty, I don't know if Sofia Huerta has taken that penalty kick because in the post-match after um, Rain FC's game against Houston, I asked uh, their coach, uh, James Clarkson, if Huerta is the, the default, the primary uh, penalty taker since Rachel Daly's out playing in the World Cup for England. And he, would, he laughed uh, laughed and said, well, not anymore. <laughs> but I think it sounded like it was something that is just... Like totally, a joke, yeah. Yeah, he was just joking about it. But I think it's a case of you just kind of decide on the spot who's going to take it. Um, been a lot of stopped penalties, both in the World Cup already and in NWSL play this year. Mm-hmm. But yeah, I... Look, I'm... I'll be happy to be wrong if this is the game where Orlando Pride finally uh, gets it right and gets a win. But um, the way it's looking right now, based on what we know, how the season has gone so far for them and how how Houston's been pretty solid, yeah, I think Houston uh, – I got to go with Houston Dash victory on that one. Yeah. Third game on the weekend, you have Utah Royals hosting Sky Blue FC. Oh, this is going to be – this is interesting. I mean – my gut wants to say Utah, although Sky Blue now has had two weeks off to rest, so they're super rested because they had a bye last week. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think that they're still really hurting without Estelle Johnson on their back line. Um, so I think Utah is gonna gonna pull it off. I want to agree with you and say Utah's gonna win. But you know what? Since we're in the World Cup and we all like to go for Team Chaos, yeah, we'll go with a draw on this one. Uh, I I could see it happening for sure. Yeah, um, it could. I could be one of those weird things where Utah's in the lead for a good deal of the match, and then Utah sneaks in with an equalizer. Yeah, Amy Rodriguez just gets her toe on a ball across like she she does she's known to do Mm -hmm. yeah but Washington definitely controlled Utah last 
well, not last week, but two weeks ago when they last had a game. So they're showing that they're a team that can be beat. Yeah. And then lastly, we have Rain FC hosting Washington. I'm going to say one nothing Rain. Hmm. I'm going to be a little bit bolder and say 2 nothing Rain. I think Bethany Bosser continues her meteoric rise as like an emerging talent for Rain FC and gets another goal. I don't know who gets a second goal for Rain FC, but I'm going to go with 2-0 Rain. I'll take it. Yeah. <laughs> so that'll do it for this episode of Coffee and Valkyries. Susie, is there anything you'd like to say before we sign off? Uh, no, just keep watching the World Cup. I agree with you. <laughs> and on that, thank you everyone for listening to this episode. Thanks, everyone.